easier for me, though, I'll have to say. This, this is wonderful because I was thinking, what a lovely worship song, and it's all subdued and everything. Now you're going to get this big, ugly, loud guy up here talking to you. And I'm like, how's that going to work? And like, God just took care of it for me right there. All right. Yeah, this is going, this, yeah, this will be in the blooper reel. <laughs> now, the next thing is Kidmo. You are dismissed. If any of my Kidmo friends are in here, next week I'll see you guys. Cassie and I, I think Cassie's with me next week. We will be doing Kidmo next week. So I'll see you guys next week. Be sure and be extra hard on your leaders this week and get that out of your system for next week, okay? I see a couple of boys right there are going to take me to heart on that, I can tell. <laughs> Uh, well, good morning. How are you guys? Awesome. Awesome. I was noticing uh, several people out here getting earplugs during the worship because we do have a louder volume than some church. I would just ask you that those are not for this portion of the service. So if you want to remove them now, you can, uh, this is going to be a good day. We're going to talk about freedom. Um, and not probably in the typical sense that you guys would expect us to talk about freedom. Um, one thing I'd like to do today to get it out of the way. No, this is not going to be patriotic Sunday. We're not going to talk about nine 11 and that kind of freedom. But I would like to pray about that area of focus for our nation and some things. And I want to point out one thing that I saw today, and it just struck me this morning. How many of you seen already today several of the, the 9-11 banners on Facebook and so on? And, and what does it say? We'll never forget. If that were true, our church would be full this morning, wouldn't it? Remember, remember 9-11? Did anybody go to church the week after 9-11, the Sunday after 9-11? What, what did it look like in church? It was full. It was packed. Everybody was worried. They were praying. They were, they were turning to God for answers. And our nation will turn to God in what? Maybe three weeks it lasted? That's not called not forgetting, is it? But what I want to focus on this morning in the aspect of that, and this is what I ask you to do as Christians this morning. As believers, I want you to pray with me. And what we want to remember this morning is not revenge is not we need to go after the people that did this and we need to continue to be looking for them and all that kind of stuff. We've got politicians that focus on that. Let them worry about that. As Christians this morning, what I want us not to forget is that Jesus died for those people just like he died for us. And I want us to remember those people in prayer that those that are not of our faith and would destroy us because of our faith will one day find Christ as well. And let's pray that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We th do thank you for the freedom we have here as Christians in, in our country to, to come boldly forth and proclaim your word, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. But we know it's not that way everywhere. We know there are Christians that are being persecuted and struggling, but you're blessing there, God. And I thank you for that in areas of the country that aren't as free as uh, the world, that aren't as free as this country. And we thank you that, that you're faithful no matter what the political circumstances are, God, that, that Jesus never changes. And we thank you for that. We thank you. Forgiving your son for those that even may not believe or persecuted him while he was here on earth, Lord, may have spit in his face, God. But we know he died for them too, Lord. And if he can do that for them, the least that we can do this morning is pray for those. Pray for those that would persecute us. Pray for those that would want to destroy us, would want to destroy the Christian way of life, God. The real answer we know is Jesus Christ in their hearts, Lord. And this morning, that is our prayer. As we remember a tragedy here in the United States from some misguided people, Lord, that don't know you as Savior, we pray this morning that everyone that seeks you and seeks the truth will find you today, Lord, and they will be blessed and they will follow you and they will proclaim your kingdom boldly throughout the world. And we just pray that this morning in your name. Amen. All right, guys, we are in the middle of a series called Freedom, talking about freedom from different things. Mark did an introduction last week, and I'd like to start with what he said. Mark always loves it when I quote him. Unfortunately, he's out of town today and he's not here to see this. Y'all tell him, now, Scott, Scott quoted you again, so he'll, he'll feel good about his sermon. The best way to keep a people enslaved is to make the concept of freedom confusing and enslavement simple. What that means in a nutshell is... Sometimes it's easier to stay where you're at in bondage than it is to go towards the free side of things. It's easier. That path is easy. It's not the difficult road. It's not the hardest way to go. It's easy to just kind of keep the status quo, stay where you're at. That's the simple way to do things. That's the easy way to do things. But what happens? There's no change. How many of you guys think change is difficult? Changing your routine, changing anything. What if you were, I said, you got to go to work third shift tonight. How many of you like that change? 
Some of you wouldn't care. Wanda would say, well, I do that all the time. <laughs> there's, there's people that do that. But this upset in your routine and things, it can be, it can be hard on you. You know, we, we as a people don't like change. But what I want to talk about today is financial freedom. That is the topic for today. Now, before everybody puts their earplugs back in, gets up and leaves, or whatever, this is not a sermon on tithing and why you need to give to the church. That is only a very small portion of a couple of sentences of today's message. What I want to do today is to deliver some very practical tips based on Scripture of how we need to run our lives financially. I know, without even asking this morning, there are people here that struggle financially. It happens all the time. Mark and I counsel a lot of people, and one of the things they struggle with is finances in their life. How do I manage my money? How do I manage day-to-day life? I don't have enough money to make ends meet. I don't know what to do. I've talked to people that just are so overwhelmed by the things in their life, the things that are against them financially, they do not know where to turn. And we do need to turn to God in those things. But it's not good enough just to pray sometimes. God requires action on our part. You guys agree with that? You agree that it's not just a, oh, Lord. I, it, it would be so much better if it, Lord, I just need so-and-so and just buckets of money rain down on you and you get it. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? God, God occasionally does bless us that way. There are people here that have been blessed that way. That I know that have been faithful and, <coughs> excuse me, have prayed to God. And he has blessed them financially. But it doesn't always happen. And God requires us to be faithful. And he requires some action on our part to make these things happen. To get us out of this enslavement to debt and so many things. You know, one of the, the things you see often on the news is about how our nation's in debt. And how we spend money. And there's a fight about, you know, where do you spend your money? Do you spend it here? Do you spend it there? What happens? And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning. There's some practical means to help you and i hope that if you're a young person here we have a few of you guys that are left that are in the high school middle school age group i hope you guys listen this morning too because i would love for you starting today to set a pattern for your life of what financial freedom looks like and i will guarantee you it is never too early to start and it's something that that you won't see often there's not a lot of people talk about this i don't even know to how many, how many of you guys are middle school or high school here that are left in the audience? Does anybody have like an economics class or a, a book on, uh, something on how to keep your checkbook or finances? You guys got a class like that? Everybody's looking around like, no, no, no. We've, we've, got, we've got music appreciation and we've got art and we've got phys ed and we've got that math. and We don't have anything like that. And it is true. We don't focus on that as much as we should. Parents try to focus. But what happens when your parents aren't even a good example? We're going to talk about that. But enslavement to money certainly follows the principle of, of simple things. It's very easy to simply spend everything you make. You become enslaved to greed and debt. You always want more or are willing to go into debt to obtain it. That kind of sounds like the American way, doesn't it? If I want it, I'll go into debt and I'll get it. That debt doesn't go away. It's just like, like people that struggle losing weight. You can say, I'll eat that piece of cake, I'll do this, I'll do that, and I'll lose the weight later. Anybody ever found that easy to do? <laughs> no, it's always, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't have done that. Now I've got to work extra hard to keep this off. Now I can't, now I can't have cake, I can't eat anything because, well, our finances are the same way. When we get so far in debt, it gets to the point we can't even occur simple debt to meet our very needs. And that is the problem with the lure of wealth. We don't need to be lured by wealth as Christians. We need to have other things that we focus on. If you try and keep up with those around you, you will be in debt. I can guarantee it because you know what? Most of the people that you admire and you look at them and say, wow, look at the things they've got are in debt. Have you ever thought about that? I don't know how many of you ever keep up with any of the entertainment news or anything like that. But the ones that always catch me are when, when some big hip-hop star or athlete or whatever has got their Ferrari repossessed. I'm thinking, wow, you know, you think this guy here, he's got an agent, he's making millions of dollars, he's got gold records, he's got, you know, he's got NFL stats and records and all, and they just came with a rollback just like they would for your car in his driveway, and they rolled off with his Ferrari. And then his press agent tells you, well, it was simply an accounting mistake. Yeah, it was an accounting mistake. He had spent more than he made. 
That's what happens. It's a big mistake. And we can get into that enslavement because we get greedy and we want what everybody else has. You know, it, it used to be called keeping up with the Joneses. You know, we want what someone else has. And I, I've got to have that for myself. You know, there's a little piece of that that I think is okay. Because I think we all do need to strive to be better than what we are sometimes. And I think sometimes having a goal in front of you will encourage you to do the right things and have some good habits. If you have a, if you have a savings goal or something like that, I would like to save for this. That's fantastic. But that's not the way society today works. It is instant gratification. It's if, if I need it, what, what can I do to get it? And there's lots of bad ways to do that, and we're going to talk about that. But listen to what he what is said here in First Timothy Chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. This is part of the verse I want you to focus on for now, though. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation or in a trap by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. That's pretty plain, isn't it? First of all, in the middle of that, those verses, I want you to realize money is not the root of all evil. We've preached this before and we'll preach it again. It's the love of money. It's that heart attitude that's the root of the evil. And we get harmful and foolish desires. Anybody ever bought anything and thought that was foolish? Wow, I wish I hadn't have done that. You know, that, that was great. Have you seen, I think it's Nick Saban. Uh, it's one of the internet memes and he's, he's talking to this. No, it's actually a commercial. It, it, it a financial commercial where he's talking to the girl about dry, buying the dress that she's going to wear for one season. How often will you wear that? Two, maybe three times. Is that a good investment? That's a harmful and foolish desire. It's something you're going to go back and say, gosh, I wish I hadn't have done that. Now, why did I do that? And then you still have the debt, even though the item doesn't have worth to you anymore. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 12. It says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Yeah, it is. <laughs> now, from the Christian perspective is what he's saying. It's not measured by that. By your neighbors, your coworkers, your parents, your children, and everybody that you ever talked to, you better believe your life is measured by what you own, isn't it? Does anybody ever come up and say, that is so wonderful. They live in a shack. <laughs> Look at that. They drive a broken down, beat up, 1985 sedan that's falling. Isn't that wonderful? I wish I could be like them. We don't say that. You know good and well that we measure life by what people have and what they own and our perception of their success. And that's where we get, we get out of kilter. That's where we, we really mess up is we're not looking at the right thing. We're not looking at the right measurement of life. We're going to get into that this morning a little bit about the spiritual side of that. But again, I want a lot of practicality today because this is something that Mark and I, as pastors here, deal with on a regular basis is the mindset of what it looks like to spend money, a mindset of what it looks like to save, a mindset of what has value and what doesn't. Listen to this. Blowing all of your money on luxuries and then playing the victim to your next paycheck is part of what is called the poverty mindset. Oh, this is good stuff. I don't have any money. I need help. I need, I need someone to help me with my finances. And you go back and look, well, what did you do with your finances this week? Well, I did this, this, and this. But I'm a victim. I had a friend like that. He used to go to church here. And I'll give his name because he now... This will be a warning tale. This is kind of like when Jesus told parables. This is a warning tale to you of what can happen to you if you don't manage your finances. Anybody here, and I know Miss Jean remembers him because he was part of our crew, the Treehouse Mafia, as we were called, was John Burns. Does anybody remember my friend John that came here for a while that was mentally troubled and had some other issues? Mark back here remembers it. Some of you may remember it. John, granted, had some mental health issues and some things were wrong with him. But he had a poverty mindset because here's what John would do. How many of y'all feel sorry for people when they don't have enough to eat? I hope everybody does. I hope, I hope maybe you've been in that and you can empathize or, or, or at least you can say, that's not a good situation to be in. And I don't want anybody to go hungry. I think that's sad. And I think as a Christian, Jesus wants me to help people that are like that. Okay? John Burns would do this. I set up a checking account. I was administrator of the account with him online and everything. 
John was getting a Social Security check, some other things. John was getting food stamps. John was retired at 50-something years of age because of mental illness, basically, is how we can say. His home was paid for. His home was debt-free. A nice house over in East Brainerd. Many of y'all would like his house. It's a nice brick home in a decent neighborhood. Paid for. All he had to do was pay for utilities, okay? No, no, that wasn't the way John wanted to work it. I would manage his finances and things, and you give him a little money, and then you would find out John also had a, access to the account. John would come in one, one Sunday, look what God blessed me with, a new pair of Nikes. And you'd go and look at John's Nikes and figure out that was a $110 pair of Nikes. What John was doing in his poverty mindset was John was going and spending on what he wanted, the things that he desired, the things that he, he was greedy about, and do that. And he would hide it from most folks and then say, gosh, I'm on food stamps. I just don't really have enough to eat. It's awful. And it took many of us a while to catch on to this because what also happens, a lot of people are good con artists. And they will con you, and they will con you into helping them. John did this for a while. I would go, Karen's gone with me. We taught John how to use a buy-low bonus card at the time, how you could go and shop. You could look at the ads and the things that John liked, you could go and buy, okay? Well, John just kept doing this and got into this, this cycle of being behind on his bills. Behind. Now, he had to have his cell phone. Got to have my cell phone. Got him a free cell phone, and he didn't like it. Threw it away. Went and bought his own cell phone. I like that one better. Yeah, you were getting food. Well, I don't like that. We got him set up. He kept his cable TV. John, just don't watch pay-per-view movies. Oh, uh, well, I was tired of everything else to watch, so I watched it, and I watched it four times this week. Really? $5 a piece, four times five, $20 for a guy that's on food stamps. He blew on movies. John kept in this pattern. Again, there was some mental illness here involved, but there is a cautionary tale for all of us in it. John wound up to the point, his final breaking point financially was Red Bull. How many of you guys think Red Bull is a cheap energy drink? No, there's no such thing as a cheap energy drink, is there? Unless you're like drinking sugar water or something. <laughs> you know, that's the old school energy drink. You know, John was drinking Red Bulls. You know what John's ultimate downfall was in this? John's also a recovering alcoholic at the time. John decided to get a little buzz. It was cheaper to buy beer than Red Bull. Started trading his food stamps to people, or he'd go buy a steak and they'd give him a six-pack. And after, gosh, 20-something years or more, John fell off the road to recovery and became an alcoholic again. And that fed his mental illness. He wound up stealing from his neighbors. He wound up threatening people, and he wound up in jail. From jail, he went to a halfway house after he served eight months in jail for something minor, but he couldn't afford a lawyer. And they asked me to come bail him, or he asked me would I come bail him out. You know what my answer was? No, I'm not bailing you out. You've threatened me. You've done all this. You've spent people's money. You've done all this. No, you're going to pay for your consequences. John went to a halfway house in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Still keeps in touch with me occasionally. Went from that halfway house. Oh, there was always something wrong there. You know, somebody was trying to take advantage of him, or they did you wrong or whatever. What John didn't like was he was getting his government check still, and they put that in the bank, and they fed him what they fed him. He didn't like that. He wanted to be his own boss. You know why he wanted to be his own boss? Because they weren't buying him tennis shoes. He couldn't trade stakes for Nikes in a halfway house. Wound up basically getting kicked out of there from what I can finally gather after a period of time. And now John lives somewhere in a homeless shelter in Nashville. Now look at that. Here's a guy that had it made. He was retired. He was living on income that some of y'all would like to have because he didn't have a house payment, a car payment. All he had was utilities, and he had his food somewhat covered. Now, for you folks that have never been on food stamps or don't know how that works, don't think those people are getting rich either, okay? John had an average, I think I figured, $2.85 a meal on food stamps. How many of y'all eat for $2.85 a meal? No, you can't do that. It's a supplement. It's a way to keep you from starving to death, but you're not living, you're not living it up unless you're doing like he was and taking away away from somebody else but this poverty mindset buying luxuries new nikes are a luxury he would not he would tell me and he walked everywhere because he'd he'd given his car away so through some of his mental illness and things he decided he needed to give his car away he would walk from east brainerd to hamilton place 
every day, at least once, sometimes twice a day. He would wear his shoes out. John, let's go over here to Walmart and get you a pair of $20 tennis shoes. I'll buy you three or four pairs, and that'll last you a while, or a good pair of boots to walk in. Oh, I can't walk in those, they hurt my feet. The only thing that would fit my feet are Nike or Adidas. It was Adidas was what his, his passion was. You see how it is, how buying luxury things could do? Let's look at what are some luxuries. You may not agree with me. Let's look at our list here. Wow, nothing's a luxury. <laughs> Y'all were getting excited for a minute, weren't you? Yeah! Hey, look at the luxury. Cigarettes. You don't have to smoke. I know it's a habit in dealing in a recovery ministry. I know there are physical side effects. I know there are mental anguish. I know there's a lot of things there. But when you get down to it, you do not have to have cigarettes to live. Alcohol, another one. I know there are addictive properties there. I know, I know people that struggle with this. And I know they struggle desperately with it and would like to not drink. But it is a luxury. And if you start drinking, it is a luxury. It's expensive to start with. It's something you can do without. Cell phone. Oh, Lord, I can't do without my cell phone. Your grandparents didn't even have a phone. But you can't do without a cell phone. But I do understand we're being practical today, okay? And I will give you this. If you have a home phone, a cell phone may be a luxury. Why don't you get rid of your home telephone? We did. Who calls you on your home telephone? Telemarketers, politicians, and everybody that you don't want to talk to. So why are you paying $40, 50 $60 a month to have people call you that you don't want to talk to. Let's, let's talk about real financial freedom. Get rid of your landline and go to just a cell phone. But that doesn't mean it needs a data plan and it has to be an iPhone 7 Plus that now your headphones won't work with. <laughs> yeah, y'all saw my post about that this week. You buy you a new iPhone and then you get, and you have to have this little funky adapter thing for every pair of headphones made to this date with a wire on them to plug into it. That's financial great advice. There. Go get you. But it does come in two shades of black. So if you're, you're into that sort of thing, cable television. Most of us today pay more for cable television than we did for electricity 15 or 20 years ago. You talk about a luxury. And, and what do we all say? We've got 472 channels, and I can't find anything I want to watch on any of them. Click, 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 click. Wouldn't you love to have an a la carte plan where you could get the 20 channels you want for $20 a month? Wow. Some people are finding financial freedom if they can afford internet access at their home, which that's something that may not be a luxury anymore. If you have children that are in school, unless you're willing to take them to a public hotspot or a library or somewhere, you need the internet for homework, access to lesson plans. There's a lot of things like that you may need internet for. But you could cancel your television, your HBO and all that stuff, and watch some things online for free. A lot of that stuff rebroadcast online for free. There's a practical money-saving tip. You don't have to have cable television. It can be $200, $250 a month. Going back to the cell phone, by the way. If you have a data plan, you shouldn't be using it most of the time. There's enough free Wi-Fi. If you can't go from here to home without using your data, you're probably addicted to data. There are people that, honestly, this is a real thing, being addicted to data. Now, if you've got a plan and it's okay, some of us got in early. Verizon used to have an unlimited data plan on certain things. That was wonderful until they figured out, we can charge people for this and make a whole lot more money. So let's, let's, if you get a new phone, we're going to revoke your free data plan or your unlimited data. It wasn't free. So you, you've got to look at those things. Eating out. Ever heard that, how expensive that one is? My goodness. That one can, huh, quote, unquote, eat you alive in your budget, eating out. Eating out is expensive. It's one of the best ways to spend yourself into debt is to eat out consistently, especially if your idea of eating out is, oh, Charlie's, Olive Garden, Chop House, all those really good places that are, that are good to eat. You know, they're expensive. They're expensive to eat at entertainment whatever form it is there's another luxury you don't even have to have cable television you don't have to watch television you don't have to go to sporting events you don't have to go to a movie all those things are luxuries how expensive is it for a family of four to go to a movie and eat popcorn anybody know popcorn coke what let's 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 figure it up let's do some this is practical again if you got a calculator you might want to get it out okay Movie tickets, what? $10 at the cheapest, let's say? There's 
$60. You're buying cheap stuff for your kids. You're not a good mom. <laughs> you smuggled popcorn in, didn't you? I know you. Look, $10, $10 a piece for a family of 40 in the movie. There's $40 there. A Coke is what? Five bucks at the movie? Five, five, 10, 15, 20. Okay, we're up to 60 now. What about popcorn? How much is popcorn? If everybody gets their own. Because I don't want to share, Bob, because he puts his hand in my popcorn. I need my own. Okay, anybody face that one? I've seen that one. I would have killed the kid. I mean, oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> we, were at, we were at Fazoli's one day, and this little boy was griping because his cup was not as large as his sister. His sister had got the big value meal. He got the, the little cup. Now, at Fazoli's, they have unlimited refills. You can go 20 times if you want. But my cup's not as big as my sister's. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know? We give in to those things when our children want them sometimes. Yeah, Tiffany's right. It's at least 60. It's probably I had a, a mind of $70 to go to the movie. $70 to go for two hours of entertainment. Wow. They need to at least go see Lord of the Rings or something that's two and a half, three hours, right? At least get a little bit of value out of that. My goodness. And, and you know, if you wait, say, what, two months now, maybe three? You can catch it on Netflix, which does require a subscription, but it's nine, ten dollars a month. Or you can go to you can tell the cheap one in the family. She immediately says, Well, you can go to Redbox. Oh my god, here I will have to get in the car and drive. It's what it's at least three minutes to get to the kangaroo station. It's one mile, but that'll take me three minutes. And I'll have to go to the kangaroo station. And there may be some some somebody up there that doesn't know what they want to watch, and there'll be Oh, well, I want this. Let's look at comedy. I, I always, is that movie, is that a comedy or is that a drama? I don't know. Let's look. What's the new? Well, have we seen all those? And you're saying, no, you don't want to go to Redbox. And it'll cost you what now? A dollar and a half? It's a, no, it's not that much, is it? Gosh, you see why I don't get Redbox anymore? It's gone up to $1.95. Karen won't let me watch them. Hey, we're talking and we're having some fun this morning, but these are real conversations in families we have about what we do. It's a whole lot better. Now, sometimes we do, even guys go here. Next time we go to a guy's movie day out, if you've got the money, and I'm not saying you can't spend on some luxuries. I'm not saying that at all, guys. But if it's not in your budget, you can't, okay? Some of us budget for a little luxury. I can go and go to a movie with the guys, and we'll have a great time. And sometimes you want to see it on the big screen. That's fine. But don't make a habit out of spending on those luxuries. New vehicles. We're... Somebody's missing here, but I'm going to talk about, about them just, just for fun. They'll know who they are. Oh, this is funny. I won't pick on them. New vehicles can be a luxury to us, or they can be a necessity, okay? And you guys know me. I'm a car guy. I deal in cars. I buy and sell cars. I do a lot of stuff like that. But you have to be careful about what you're doing there. Agreed? You can get way upside down in a car that's not good for you. Number one thing I will tell you, if you can't afford a car, don't go buy it unless you are absolutely desperate to get to work and you have to have a car. If you can't afford it, don't go buy it. If you do need it, and what happens to many of us that get fall into this trap, you have to go to the buy here, pay here car lot. That's legalized extortion, folks. I will tell you right now that is legalized extortion because they will charge you such an interest rate before you get that car even a third of the way paid for, it will not be worth what you own it because of the interest rate. You ever thought about that? It is horrible. It's a horrible thing to get into. But if you have to have a new vehicle, sometimes you do because we're going to talk about this in just a minute. You have to weigh out, you have to weigh out the cost of owning a used vehicle versus a new one, Okay. You can get a used vehicle that will be so atrocious on gas mileage, maintenance costs, and things like that, that you may look at buying a new vehicle. Because what do you get when you buy a new vehicle? Warranty, the big warranty. As a car guy, I can tell you times have changed. Used to be something goes wrong with the car. There's not a whole lot that I can't fix. It's one of these things. It's a starter. It's a battery. It's an alternator. It's a distributor. Those are some of the major things. Water pump. Brakes, those are things that most of us that were kind of handy can do. Do you know what now? You get a new car. Do you know how the emergency brake works in a lot of new cars? It's electric. 
Who thought that it's a great idea that it's too hard to have a cable attached to a handle to put the brake on? Let's put a button and a whole bunch of expensive electronics behind it. That makes great sense, doesn't it? So what happens is if you do have a newer vehicle, you need the warranty because you can't afford to be paying five and $600 to get your stinking emergency brake fixed. There is a trade out there, and I realize that. And, you know, sometimes it's a good value to buy a new car because you don't have to worry about warranty. Sometimes buying a new car, many of us have to finance a car. That's just the fa facts of life. Now, if you're very financially independent and can save for a car, that is a great plan, and I admire that. But it doesn't work for everybody, and I understand it. Some people may want to lease a car because of the maintenance and depreciation on it. But sometimes you have to do something there, and that new car warranty is helpful. But also, if you buy a new car, you can take advantage of interest rates that are lower. Interest rates are your enemy. High interest is your enemy when buying a vehicle. If you're going to buy a vehicle, buy one that you can get low interest rates on. The newer it is, the lower the interest rate. So there's a trade-off involved there. So all of these things. But I want you to think about this. If you're a parent out here today, when you're the head of a household, your spending impacts the entire family and sets lifelong patterns for your children. You better be smart with your money because the kids are watching every move you make. You need to teach your kids the value of money. You need to teach them. Teach your children about the value of things instead of the price of things. Have you ever thought of that? You know, we look at this verse, 1 Timothy 5, 8. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. If you are not taking care of your financial responsibilities and teaching your children the things that they should know, that's part of caring for them, okay? Part of caring for our children is giving them food and shelter, but also being a parent, a mentor, and giving them education. If you're not caring for your children properly, the Bible strongly condemns that. So it's our responsibility as parents to teach our children that if you, you're the head of a household, you need to care for your relatives. Also, as marriages go, financial responsibility is one of the areas of partnership in marriage. Disagreement concerning money is one of the leading causes of discontent in marriages and often leads to divorce. If you and your spouse do not agree on spending, it can lead to divorce. You need to think about this as you're even dating. If you're dating someone, and guys, especially guys, I'll tell you this to you. If you're dating some girl and her idea of a, of a fun date is you have to go to a nice restaurant and spend at least $40 for you as a couple. You have to go to a movie. You have to go have coffee and dessert afterwards. If you don't think you're going to have a job that can support that, you need to think right now, is this the girl I should be dating? You need to think about that. And there's nothing wrong with spoiling your spouse and doing the things that she enjoys. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you think that this is not going to end when you're married, this pattern's going to continue. And if your goal is to have a low-wage job without a lot of responsibilities and things, you can't do those things in your marriage. You need to think about that, okay? It can be a problem. How many of you remember, and we, we don't talk about him much today because he's turned out to look like maybe be a despicable, despicable person was the Cosby Show. Anybody ever watch the Cosby Show? Had great practical values. I always think of this example. I was going to play it today, but didn't want to fool with the video and everything. Uh, what, was the, what was his name? Theo. Theo. What was, what was Bill's name on there, though? What was the dad's name? What was his name? Cliff. I knew Huxtable. I couldn't think. Cliff was teaching Theo about money. Theo's goal in life is he's going to drive a garbage truck. Wow, big aspirations. And so Cliff is teaching him how much money is worth. And he says, okay, you're going to have your own apartment and stuff? Yeah. And they're playing with Monopoly money. And he takes it and takes a little bit of money. And he says, okay, you're going to, you're going to have a nice car? Oh, yeah, I want a nice car, yeah. Takes some more of his money. He says, you're going to have nice clothes and that sort of thing? Yeah, I want to look good, man. So he's got this pile of money. He says, see, look, Dad, look how much I've got left. And Cliff looks and he says, you going to have a girlfriend? He says, sure. Whoop, takes the whole pile back from him. You know, that's what happens sometimes in relationships. And you need to think about financial shot, you know, responsibility. But again, I got a little ahead of myself a minute ago. You need to teach your children about the value of things instead of the price of things. Okay? How many of you guys think, does anybody here think $1.89 sounds expensive? 
Not many of us. There's a few that do. Some of you guys that are on a budget, you understand the value of money, and I admire you for teaching your children that. Most people, a dollar and eighty-nine cents is not bad. Okay, so every day coming home from school, mom, I want a coke. Okay, let's go. Let's drive through the Burger King. We have Burger King representatives here this morning. <laughs> you drive through the Burger King, okay, and you want a big drink. How much is a big drink? Two thirteen. Two thirteen. The man knows his knows his business. Two dollars and thirteen cents plus tax. That's with tax, 213 with tax. Let's round it off because I'm an engineer and I don't like to do math. I have calculators and people that do that for me. So $2, okay? Every afternoon we'll go through and we're going to get to, I mean, you got two kids. That's $4, isn't it? So let's get them $4 worth of drinks. How many days a week do you go to school usually? Five. How much is that? Who can do the math in their head? 20 bucks, okay? Burger King's made $20 off of me. I do this every week. Okay, even when school's out, I may even do it more when school's out because it's hot and I'm thirsty and we're out running all kinds of places. So there's 20 bucks. How much is that a month? 80, $80 a month. How much is that a year? We got all kinds of answers. <laughs> it's a bunch of money. That's the answer. Okay, 800 plus $960. Is that right? Hey, it's close. It's approaching a thousand dollars. Let's just say it that way. Depending on what you buy and how often you go, a thousand dollars worth of soft drinks a year out of your budget. Does it seem much when you're doing it a dollar eighty nine at a time? No. What's a good value? Okay, you can go and pick up your kids if they really need something to drink. How much is a twelve pack of Coca Cola? Three bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three, three dollars, let's say three dollars. Three dollars, you get 12 of them, okay? 12 of them, you were using two a day, two times five, that's 10. With a couple left over, you went from $20 to $3 to give your child the exact same thing. Wow, talk about value. That's the difference in knowing the price of something and the value of something. A, a $2 drink is not that much money, but it doesn't have that much value. Now, why is it $2? Convenience tends to be a costly commodity. If you're going to run through the drive-thru, you're going to run to the kangaroo station. That's how I wish Jason was here this morning. He can tell you, he's a manager of a kangaroo station. You know how the kangaroo station makes money? You come in the kangaroo station, you know, here you pump your gas. You know how big your car might be. Okay, I've got my gas. Thirsty and I Tell you what, I'm going to go in, see, let's see, get me a pack of M&M's and one of them big gulp drink things and come back out and run. How much does that just cost you? What do you think? Two bucks, four bucks, who knows? At least two bucks. Could have brought a pack of M&M's and a drink from your 12-pack from home and done the same thing or waited till you got home. How many of you guys have a break area in your place of business that you can buy snacks and stuff from they make convenience stores look like bargains okay that's the most expensive food you can possibly put in your mouth comes out of one of those break vending areas at your business you can go and get your canned coke out of there how much your cokes at work anybody got an idea dollar you can get a dollar a piece that sounds great compared to a dollar 89 do you think i could have brought it home for from home for 20 cents Every day we do this. Every day we do this. We need to teach our children about value, and we need to learn that convenience costs us. But now as Christians, we're taught to help others with our money, but we need to be cautious, okay? Sometimes our generosity can be a fault when it enables others to live a lifestyle not pleasing to God. Don't bail out your children, friends, and other relatives every time they hit a financial roadblock. That was the cautionary story of my friend john burns don't bail people out every time you will be taken advantage of don't bail your children out your children will never learn how to create a budget and how to live within it if every time they have a little financial roadblock you feel sorry for them and say well here let me help you out you need to help them learn to live within their means that's your job as a parent is to help them learn what it costs (coughs) now god will certainly supply our needs but I think we need to be smart with our finances. 
Now, what happens? Why are we not smart with our finances? Greed. Greed causes us to ignore the consequences of poor financial decisions. Got to have it now. Got to have it bigger. Got to have it better. And I don't care what it costs. I'm going to get it now, and I'm going to have it, and then I'm going to have what I was talking about earlier, all that guilt of the debt that I have incurred because of what I've done. Look, listen to what the Bible says directly about this from Proverbs 27. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. I don't, I, I'll just go get it. I, it's not worth the argument at the house. The kids want to go to a movie. I'm tired of arguing about it. We'll go spend the 70 bucks and we'll go to the movie. And then we'll have to see Frozen and I'll kill myself. You know, you, you go to the movie, you got to go do this. There are consequences for that. What happens next week when you've done that and the rent payment's due or the car payment's due? And guess how much you're short? You're short 70 bucks. Well, where did the $70 go? What did we do? What, what, what happened? Why can't we pay our bills? I don't understand. Oh, we went to a movie, didn't we? We spent our money somewhere we shouldn't have, didn't we? Now we're in a bind. Happens all the time because of greed. Listen from Mark chapter 4. Jesus speaks about the impact of money on our lives in the parable of the seeds and the sower. And this is, this is about someone that's sowing seed, and, and it's an illustration of sowing the gospel and things. And when that seed hits the ground, just as when we plant seeds at home or whatever, some grow, some fall by the side, some die out, the weeds choke some others out. But here's what that parable says. It says, The seed that fell among the thorn represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, in the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. The reason I wanted to include this verse today, this is not just a practical financial battle. This is a spiritual battle. These things that we want cause us to ignore the plain lessons of the Bible, the ways we should be using our money, the ways we would hopefully finance our lives enough that we can share this wealth with others. And that gets crowded out by our own greed, just as the thorns will crowd out your garden. It crowds out our desire to help others because we're thinking about self, and we can't do it. That's what this parable is, rec- is saying. The worries of life, the lure of wealth, and desire of other things cause fruit not to be produced in our lives as a Christian. And the only thing we have to show for our lives truly to God as Christians is the fruit in it. Now, I want you to listen to this. How do we get past this problem of greed? It's in our society. It's ingrained in some of us. Some of us, our parents may have taught us to be greedy and, and have that poverty mindset of get what you want and then try and, you know, try and make up for it and all this. You deserve it, etc. Contentment is the antidote to greed. Contentment is the antidote to greed. If you will be content in where you're at in life, whatever that might be, You'll be satisfied. Listen to this from Hebrews 13. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Being satisfied. Now, it doesn't say you can't. Again, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with a work ethic that you will save and have something better. If you live and rent an apartment and you want to go buy a house or have an apartment in a better place or things like that, I'm not saying don't try and go for that. That's... That's not the kind of content, discontent I'm talking about. I'm talking about when nothing's ever good enough for you and I need better. And the real root of that is the hard issue is of I what? I deserve better than this. I work hard. I deserve this. That's when contentment in your life becomes a problem because you're not truly content. Listen from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Listen to that. Contentment itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. There is a great message for your children. When you leave the world, you didn't bring anything in, and you're going to spend it off so they can't get it when you're gone. Isn't that great? (laughs) Hey, all the kids are going, yeah, you suck, Dad. (laughs) You know, but some people have that mindset. They just want enough money. I heard a, a couple, I can't remember where it was. They were discussing it. They were going to do a reverse mortgage on their house, et cetera, et cetera, because they wanted to live it up. And their goal in life was when they died that the balance sheet read zero. They didn't leave anything for anybody, and they were going to have a good time till they went. That's fine, but talk about counting the costs. You want a couple like that doesn't count? 
What if your health fails somewhere in there? What if you have medical bills that you need to pay? What if your house burns? What if this happens? What if other things happen? That's not being content. But true contentment only comes when we focus on God and not on our wealth. We're talking about a lot of wealth and a lot of things about practicality and finances, but think back. What really contents us is serving God. He made us this way, guys. He made us to serve him and to be content being his disciples, being his children. That's where the true contentment comes from. And what happens is, as Matthew 6 says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If your goal in life every day is to see how much money you can make and see how well off you can be, and you have no concern for the things of God and what he would have you do, you are serving God instead of money. Now, again, we have bills. We live in society. We, we, we have to have money to exist. I'm not saying anything like that, and neither is God. But what God's saying is, where's your focus? Where's your heart? What really, where's your contentment coming from? Is it from serving me, or is it from serving the almighty dollar? One of the things that financial freedom enables us to do is to be generous in our giving. Be generous in our giving. This is the part that you hate because pastors are going to say, well, you can give it all to the church. No, the Bible is clear on guidelines about giving from our hearts and doing the things that, that have it do. This is not a sermon on tithing and how much money you should give to journey, but we do exist on your generosity. And the way God moves your heart to pay our bills is the reason we can sit here this morning and worship together and learn and be taught from God's Word is because it does take finances to do that. But if you are in such financial bondage, you cannot do anything for the church. Where are you? What are you really accomplishing in life? This is supposed to be the center of our existence. It's what we do for God and how we worship Him. If you don't have enough finances to even do that, you know, where, where are you at in your life? Here's a good one. If you begrudgingly write a check to Journey, we will still cash it, but God won't. If you give us a check and you're saying, well, I'm just going to give this. I don't really feel like it or whatever, and I don't believe in all this church stuff necessarily, but my wife says I should give, and I'm just going to give it. You know what? We'll take that sucker to the bank, and we'll cash it right off. It's not my responsibility to judge your heart in doing that. I do wish your heart was right, but do you know how many blessings you get from God for that? Nothing. Nothing. If you're trying to do what God wants to do, and you want to store up riches in heaven, some verses in the Bible talk about storing up riches, riches in heaven where moth and things don't corrupt it. It doesn't rust. It doesn't go away. It's not like things of this earth. If you are trying to have some treasure in heaven and you give begrudgingly, you're not going to get it. Now, how can we put these things into action? You know, I'm going to give you some raw numbers here. The, this is a very easy one. If you'll give me the next slide, what about minimum wage? Seven and a quarter an hour? Seven and a quarter times 40 hours a week? Say you were lucky enough to work minimum wage full time. That's 40 hours a week times 52 weeks a year. You will be making $15,080 a year. Boy, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a whole lot of money at $15,000. I don't know how I'd spend it all to you. 15000 Let's put it on a monthly basis. How much is that a month, guys? Twelve, dollars $1,300 a month, something like that? Man, I like the looks of that car. You know, you can lease it for five ninety nine dollars a month. Oh, there's $600 gone out of that. Let's see. Lease me another $600. Oh, there's a nice apartment for $600. Said nobody ever. <laughs> $600 apartment? You're looking at $1,000, $1,200 for a nice apartment even. You are now below the poverty limit if you work for minimum wage. And that's a sad thing, but there are things we can do for that. And I'm not knocking anybody that works for minimum wage. I know it's hard. I know there are jobs that aren't easy to do that don't pay anything hardly. And sometimes we get stuck in these things. But you'll be living below the poverty line if you work full-time minimum wage in this country. What can you do about that? There's some practical things. There are two ways to have more money in your life. Two ways, and there's only two ways. Make more or spend less, or a combination of the two. Hear me out. Make more, spend less. Work one minimum wage job, and I admire that. There are people that that's all they can do. What if you work two minimum wage jobs? You've doubled your income. That's hard to do. That's 80 hours a week. If you've got kids and stuff, 
can't help them. But I know there are people here right now in journey today that their financial circumstances demand that they work more than 40 hours a week and they get minimum wage for it. And they're doing that to support their families. And that's what you should be doing. But you've got to look at these things as practicality. Make more money. How can I make more? Sometimes you can go to school. Sometimes you can get a degree, and that bumps you up into a different category of jobs that you are now trained and qualified to apply for. That's one way you can do it is through education, crafts, and skills. You can go be an apprentice somewhere, and you can be taught a trade skill and things. Guys, you can even move up through the minimum wage ranks. You can go to work minimum wage somewhere in an organization, and if they have the proper structure, you can come up and you can be a manager. You can be a district manager. You can be a regional manager. You could be a account rep for an entire country moving up the ladder that way but again you can either make more money through a path like that you can't stay where you're at you can't stay stuck so you can make more money or you can spend less okay how many of you really want to hear the spend less part of this <laughs> that's not the fun part is it spending less is never fun it's never a great thing but there are ways to build wealth but before we get into that i'll tell you a story okay how many of you go shopping with your wives? Any of you guys go shopping grocery store anywhere? Herman does. Good for you. Anybody else? I see another hand back here. Their, their husband goes with them. Do y'all ever disagree about what to buy at the grocery store? Yeah, see? It's, it's not always a thing. What should you buy? Karen and I one day had a discussion. We were not arguing. We do argue at times, but this was not an argument. It was over an important item in our budget. It was over, could I have an extra pack of cookies from the bylaw? <laughs> Seriously, we budgeted money and stuff. And she's like, well, good grief, you got cookies in the cabinet. You're going to do this. And I'm like, honey, right now I think we've got $1,200 in our checking account. And I want to buy a dollar ninety at the time, a dollar ninety-nine pack of Oreos. Can I not have them? No. You know what? I'm blessed with Karen because at some point in time in our life, she's probably made me not make a dumb financial decision. And I remember the pack of Oreos. But that's enabled us to live better today because I didn't buy a $1.99 pack of Oreos. And if you don't have a spouse that will keep you in line like that, you need one. If you're a free spender, which I could, could have a tendency to be, that can do that. And, and, you know, you look at these things, you look at them as silly and petty and things, but it teaches you lifelong lessons about value. That's what we want to talk about is value today. But finally, as we close, let's talk about ways to build wealth. Create a budget and stick to it. Amen. There's a lady back there that I know has a budget. And I know she budgets everything she does. And she blesses you with a hug every morning at Journey. God has restored blessings on her. Ask her about a recent blessing in her life. I'm not going to spoil it from the stage. But if you want to go ask Miss Jean, ask how God's blessed her through her giving and the things she's done. Ask, ask what God's done for her lately. You'll be astounded at what God did. Something that was unexpected, but was a great blessing. But she has a budget. We have a budget. I don't care how much money you need, you make, you need a budget, and you need to stick to it. And it's not that you have to account for every penny, which some of you may need to. You may not be disciplined enough to know when and where you can spend your money. But you need to create a budget, and you need to stick to it. And not when the kids are crying and want to go to a movie or whatever, you give in, or when they, I want, I want a Coke from the gas station, I want M&Ms, and I want Twinkies, and I want... No, I want a toy. When we, go to the, when we go to Target, I've got to have a toy, Mom. I've got to have this. We've got to stick within our budgets. That's a way to build wealth because it will help you in your savings and everything else. Secondly, have a savings and retirement plan. I, I hate to admit this, but there's some stupid preachers. They are. They will tell you, don't worry about your retirement and, and savings and things like that because God says he'll take care of you. God says he'll feed you and shelter you. He don't say nothing about anything else. If you're going to rely on God to take care of you in your retirement, you may be the next greeter at Walmart in your retirement. A lot of people don't plan for their retirement through financial mistakes they made in their 20s and 30s that have carried all the way up to their 65 years old and are so worn out and tired they'd love to quit work, but they've made so many financial mistakes they can't do it. Now, am I saying that Retirement's the end all be up. No, I don't really have this desire to retire and sit around or whatever. I don't want to be productive. I think one of the things that, that we often miss as a people is we need to be productive in our lives. We need something that 
we do work. Even if you go back and retire and give to an organization, if you're an executive, if you're a professional, and you can go back and serve a not-for-profit and use your expertise and money and management and all those things, or marketing or advertising, whatever, it, computers, whatever it might be, if you retire and you can go back and serve somebody else in your retirement, I think that's great. I don't think God designs us to just sit and kick back for the rest of our lives. I think we're supposed to be serving somewhere or doing something. But create a budget and stick to it. Have a savings and retirement plan. Buy only what you truly need. That's a tough one. All of us are guilty of that. We sometimes buy things we don't need, but stick to what you have to have. Postpone or eliminate luxury purchases. I didn't say to eliminate all of that. I said postpone it or eliminate it. There are some luxuries, going to the movie and things. You know, if you guys don't do something as a family, if you never do anything as a family, I don't know that that's a luxury necessarily. I think you need to do things as a family. Now, it may be going hiking in the state park. It may be going and driving somewhere and doing some small something. It may be going and you've budgeted and you want to spend that $70 for a movie. It doesn't have a whole lot of value, but it can create some memories that you'll never forget, like Frozen. <laughs> I, and by the way, I did not go see that in the theaters. That was, not on, that was not on the guy's Sunday movie night, okay? We didn't go see that. But you can sometimes postpone those things. If you don't have the money this month, say, hey, we'll go to a movie next month. Here's one that nobody likes. Eat at home. Bologna sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches, those sort of things are cheap. They're much cheaper than eating out. Eat at home. Here's one for you guys, especially, to build financial wealth. Stay married to your first spouse. (laughs) All the ladies are laughing because they know what I'm fixing to tell you. If you think... You're going to divorce your spouse, and you're going to come out on the other side of this better financially? You're an idiot. (laughs) You're going to plan on getting remarried? If you're having trouble right now, one of the things you're getting divorced over is finances, and you're having trouble now making ends meet, you're telling me that without some miraculous intervention, a better job, you've bettered yourself some way, that you're going to be easier paying two wives and two sets of kids? That's stupid. That is... The number one cause of financial ruin of males in this country is divorce. You believe that? You will be saddled with that because it's your responsibility. Those are your children as well. That's your wife you agreed to take care of. God doesn't look on it lightly either. You deserve what you get in that situation a lot of times. But if you think that that's a sound financial move, is well, I'll just get rid of her and I'll be better off financially. I'll have that new Corvette next month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think on That is one of the surest ways to come into financial problems is to not stay married to your spouse. And you should do it because you made a commitment to God and her. That's why you should do it to start with. Don't make purchases that depreciate rapidly. You need to do your research when you buy anything. If you think you might resell it, such as a home or a car, you didn't know what the depreciation is. Again, talking cars because you guys know my passion. One of my hobbies is cars and those sort of things. I sat in one the other day, and this is the coolest little car, and I never would have thought this. Hadn't got to drive one yet. They're neat, though. Is a Fiat 500 Abarth Edition. Anybody seen one of those? Those are the coolest little cars, little four-cylinder. That is the hottest hatchback in the world. They will scream for a four-cylinder car. You know how much they are new? They're $28,000. That's high for a little four-cylinder hot rod, okay? $28,000. Do you know how much a used one at CarMax is that's two years old? Twelve five. Two years, three years depreciation. It's less than half the value it had in you. If you want one, I suggest you go. And CarMax is high. But you get some benefits there. Not having to haggle and things. And they may have the selection you want. It's a good place to buy a car if you like to buy it that way. But if you really want to search it out, you can look. You can probably find that same car for 10 to 11 Another $1,000 you might save but not going to a dealership. Versus... You had to have it brand new, and it was that much. Now, again, if the warranty and those things are important to you, you may do that. But a lot of things depreciate badly. You buy a house in the wrong section of town, it depreciates. It doesn't appreciate. If you go in and you look, and there's gang graffiti all over the neighborhood, and, it, and you see all the residents and just busted every week, that's probably not the place to build your financial nest egg and build it home. Now, maybe all you can afford. Sometimes you have to go to those neighborhoods to afford what you want. I'm not saying that, you, that that's a sin or anything. But if you think that's going to be, you're going to turn a profit by buying that cheap house in a bad neighborhood, unless it miraculously gets, miraculously gets bought up by 
a conglomeration or a group of people and yuppies like your neighborhood. How many of you that grew up in Chattanooga that are close to my age or a little younger would have ever said, oh my Lord, if I could only live in Highland Park. You're you're crazy. You'll get mugged before you get out of your car in Highland Park. That my that's the worst housing in America is in Highland Park in Chattanooga. Now that is a restored, renovated neighborhood, and every student at UTC wants to live in Highland Park. It's a great neighborhood now. So you can sometimes come out on that, but you don't want to buy things that depreciate badly. Don't buy new technology as soon as it's released. I've made fun of the iPhone 7 all week. It has a better camera. It's water resistant. It comes in two shades of black. It has an obsolete headphone jack now. I've got to have one. When's it come up? Let's go line up in front of AT&T or Verizon and get us one. You know how much that iPhone 7 will be worth in three years? Zip. They'll be selling them on eBay and everything else because it'll be obsolete technology. I bought a camera the other day. One of my hobbies is photography. And I've always wanted a good, fully manual, better grade digital SLR camera. I had one for a lot of years, and it's kind of obsolete. But I went back and looked and found a 10-year-old camera that was 10%. It's a professional-level camera, and I paid 10% of the value for it. You know what? I shot pictures with it yesterday, and I loved it. I didn't go out and pay full price for that. I let it depreciate 90% before I even thought about buying one. That's the way to make purchases. Because those things depreciate rapidly. Technology, you know, technology, I like my iPhone 6. My employer provides this for me because, unfortunately, they can call me on it even on vacation. And when I'm out, some of you have jobs like that where they, they provide you a phone. But you know what? This doesn't talk any different than an iPhone 4. It texts. It gets pictures. It can do Facebook. And iPhone 4 does the same thing, guys. Technology obsoletes itself so quick. If you'll just wait a little while, you can get a good deal in it. Don't buy it as soon as it's released. Here's one, and sometimes I know we have to do this because of financial situations. Don't buy things on credit. Credit your enemy. If you can buy it cash, buy it cash. Credit always costs you something. The only time I advise having credit cards, especially if you're irresponsible, you can't do this, though. You can take a Discover card, a Capital One card, American Express, and other things. You can put all your bills for the month on that one card. And if you are a disciplined household with a budget, you can pay that off at the end of the month, and they will put money back in your account for doing it. I was going to spend the money anyway. Why not spend it and get money back? You can build up money over a year's time to be able to, to have basically free money. But you got to be disciplined. If, you can't, if you're not going to pay it off every month, you're going to come out in the hole because of interest. Here's another form of an extortion, like buy here, pay here things. Never get a payday loan. Never. They prey on people because they know you're getting a payday loan because you don't budget well. And here's what they're banking on. It's a gamble for them. Their gamble is... You will not pay off this payday loan in one week like you agreed to. What I'm thinking is they're desperate. They won't be ahead a week from now, and I'll get to start incurring horrendous interest charges on this because they can't pay it off. And that's how, as a company, I'm going to exist. Is I'm going to exist on your bad habits, and I'm going to know you can't pay it off. Your $200 payday loan, if you don't pay that off immediately, it will become like $250 the next check. And then it'll become three hundred, and then it'll become three fifty. That interest rate goes up so high on a payday loan, you will probably get to the point that you will never be able to pay it. I know people that have gone and they have gone back. And if you're in this situation, here's a practical tip: you can go back and you can negotiate that payday loan down. Okay, if you've gotten to the point you can't pay for it, and they see that you're not even able to make the minimum payment, you can say, "Can I buy out this payday loan for X amount of money?" That's a government program now. Okay. That's something that they're required to offer you now because they've gotten so many people in such deep financial debt. There are some government things involved in that that they can offer that to you. Here's some things that Karen suggested this morning. I asked her some practical tips. Make a grocery list. Seems simple, doesn't it? If it's not on the list, you don't buy it when you go to the store. Don't go grocery shopping hungry. How many of y'all have heard that one? That's a good one. Don't go, hey, golly, I need that, and I need that, and I need that, and there's some steaks and a hamburger, and golly, I can eat all that right now. Go when you're full. You'll buy too much. Coupons. Anybody here do coupons? 
I'm not, and I'm not talking about the crazy coupon lady that comes in and she's got the notebook and file cabinet. You know, she comes into the Walmart with her roller cart with her coupons in it and takes 45 minutes to check out. You don't have to go to that extreme. But if you will look, there are deals to be had. There's buy one, get one freeze. There's things like that if you've got a membership card with Bilo and things. Uh, a form of coupons, if you ever travel and your family stays in hotels, Stay in the same chain and you'll get rewards points. I did that the other day. Got 5,000 rewards points and got a really nice hotel room for $65. Freaked Karen plum out. And she said, where are we staying? said, so-and-so. She said, well, you got to know Karen. I love her. But she, she always asks this question. Well, we're going to go and we're going to stay. Let's stay overnight. Well, how much will that cost to stay overnight? I said, it's reasonable, $65. She's like, $65? Okay, what goes through your mind when I say a $65 hotel these days? <laughs> That's not the place you want to stay. It's like down here on Cherokee Boulevard in the crack houses in the back. Okay, $65. No, I got it less than half price because I had some points from a business trip, and I applied them to go and give us a weekend to get away and go to, and be able to stay overnight somewhere for a cheap price, form of coupons. And this one's for Wanda. This one's for my friend Wanda back here, an em, uh, employee of Walmart. You can go and benefit Walmart by using your Walmart savings catching. She doesn't care. How much have we got right now? We've got 30-something dollars. If you shop at Walmart and we'll scan your receipt and turn it in, would you take a picture of it or, or scan it on the back? You scan your ticket. You scan your receipt from Walmart. And if somebody that week that's a competitor in the area had that cheaper instead of you having to shop around for it, Walmart will put that back in an account for you to spend at Walmart. We've got 30-something dollars. For nothing, more than scanning a receipt, put $30 back in there. Next time I can go and buy a pack of Oreos. <laughs> Amen. I can get my pack of Oreos because we use the Walmart savings thing and I can proudly strut in there and say, I want one of them and put it in the bag for me. Wow. I'm telling you, but y'all laugh about this. Little things mean a lot in your budget as you go through life. And it will give you the financial freedom. You won't be fighting with your spouse. You won't be teaching your children bad habits. You will have money that you can bless journeys of church. You can bless those in need around you. You can do so much when you are financially free. And that's what I want to close with this morning as we pray. And I want you guys to think about where your life's at. If you need help with financial counseling or anything like that, there are many of us here on staff that do budgeting and things. We can sit down with you, help you make a budget. We can tell you those things. We even have offered a Financial Peace University, a class. Uh, Richard and Wendy teach it for us. They can sit down and teach you exactly how to manage your money, and it will revolutionize your life if you will have the discipline to do it. It happens, and I want you guys to have that freedom because I want to see you happy. I want to see you enjoying life and not be burdened from paycheck to paycheck about what am I going to do and the stress it causes on you, the stress it causes on your health, the stress it causes on your family, and it, and it takes a toll on your spiritual life as you pursue those things. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the crowd this morning that's here to listen. Lord, I just pray that, that, that this mixture of things, God, that are, that are wisdom from your word combined with practical advice of things that I found helpful in my life, God, I hope this will help someone this morning, help someone this week. Lord, I, I pray that if this is something you know someone, Lord, that, that can benefit from this, point them towards our podcast, Lord. It's, it's a way that we can redeem our investment in technology, God that we don't spend that just so that we can hear ourselves talk on the internet so others can, can learn from these lessons. If you know someone, God, that needs to listen to this this week, God, I pray that it'll get in their hands, Lord, and it'll be used. God, I thank you so much. We thank you for the ultimate value is found in your son, Jesus Christ, and our contentment in what he did for us, Lord, and our contentment in what you provide for us. And we thank you for all you give to us each and every week, each and every day, minute, hour, second. Lord, the things you do for us, we are, we are so thankful for that, God. And I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Just, just pray that this can be applied to their lives. If they need help with it, they'll get it, Lord. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.